Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ashley Hill. She is author of her new book, Celebrating the Journey, Rediscovering Me, She's also founder of College Prep Ready. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. I'm really excited for you to share some of your story about your journey and the things that you're doing. Before we talk about what you're doing currently, how about if you share with the listeners some of your past, maybe how you grew up, what kind of what kind of evolved for you to be interested in doing what you do now, going to college, those types of things. Wonderful. Well, I come from a military family. Um, my mother, she was a Marine. She's out of that now. And actually, my father's still currently in. He's serving in the in the U.S. Army as a chaplain. He's been in um, all of his adult life. So, you know, I've been accustomed to traveling. Um, we actually we lived overseas. My younger brother was born in Germany. So we spent some time over there and, of course, um, just throughout the U.S. So I, I got used to moving. But uh, one thing that was really preached in our home is education mm-hmm. um, because, you know, both my parents, they said this is not an option, this is what you're doing. And, you know, I really appreciate the fact that I got exposure early. You know, actually my dad, he was still in school while I was growing up, and he would take me and my brother to class with him, or he would let us sit with him while I was taking notes or transcribing, you know, some project for class. Wow, so I love really that. Early on, <laughs> yeah. So really early on, I knew education was going to be a huge part of, of my life, and I knew that it was going to open up the door um, a lot of opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. So what I did is actually um, in the eighth grade, I was my first um, college fair. And, of course, I'm only 13, but I was so excited and, you know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I just wanted to get that early exposure. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kind of sparked my interest, and I kind of bounced around a few ideas. I think a lot of, I think a lot of sisters who have brothers will agree with me. When I was younger, I wanted to be a psychologist because I said, why are my brothers so crazy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just like convinced they need a psychiatrist. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's funny. But, um, yes, but over time, um, I realized that I like to teach like my parents do. And in fact, my mom, um, she's kind of semi-retired right now, but she was an educator for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And my dad, in his role, he teaches every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I held on to that and I realized in whatever career I was going to have been to that I wanted to be, be, be in an educator's role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. And um, so as I, you know, got a little bit older, my first few jobs were babysitting, and a lot of the kids, you know, they were, you know, in the grade behind me, so I said, oh, I can help you with that, or oh, I can tutor you in this, I can, you know, show you how to do this. And so over time, that's what I started to do regularly along with babysitting. At that time, I was just kind of, you know, an opening. But when I got to my senior year of high school, as I was going into college, I realized that, you know, a lot of the parents started calling me, the ones that I had babysat for. Now their kids were, you know, kind of right behind me. And I said, well, can you give us guidance on this? Or can you help us a lot to FAFSA? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the best way to do this? And so once I got into college, I realized, wow, I really want to do this, um, maybe not a full-time career, but I would love to do this um, as a part of my career to help others 
right. you know, kind of get them ready for college. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how it all started. Well, I think part of it, too, not only is it kind of a maze of interesting things to understand and get through to apply for college and understand scholarships and loans and all that, but there's a part of it that a lot of people are not encouraged by their family, their parents, whatever, to go to school or they don't come up, they don't, they're not raised with your sort of upbringing where college is important and education is important and things like that. So how have you implemented that part of encouraging someone who might be sort of interested or maybe think they could go to college but don't have a lot of hope because they weren't really raised with that mindset? Do you offer help and encouragement to people like that? Yes, I do. And, in fact, something that I started actually implementing for everyone, um, people that I've had a chance to work with and, and their students, is actually I start with the mindset. Because I learned a long time ago that your your thoughts procedure action. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I start off and I tell them, everything that we're seeing now, from, from your cell phones to books to cars, any any object, someone had to first someone had to first think that through. That's right. In their mind. And they had to put that down on paper. Mm-hmm. And so I start especially with those, you know, either first generation students or like you said, those who don't have the parental support I first have to get them to understand, well, my mindset has to be right towards this this whole process because it is daunting. It's a challenge. But I have to first get them to understand that, you know, they can do this, that they deserve it, they're just as good as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, it may take more, you know, strategic uh, things to do, but that they can arrive at the same destination. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, I also I take them to their local community, and that's what I do. And I say, okay, we don't, we may not have the parents involved, but let's look in the community and see who else can be a resource. Right. That could be a local clergy. That could be a local business person. That could mm-hmm. be a teacher, mm-hmm. a guidance counselor. So I point them into the direction of those who are willing and ready to help. Right, and possibly mentor them and encourage them and support them in some way that they haven't had. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's very, very needed on so many levels, and I'm sure that could be a whole nother discussion. But let me ask you, so along your journey, it sounds like you had a wonderful upbringing. You had supportive parents and parents who encouraged you to be your best and do your best. Were there times throughout your journey, especially going through school and starting that process of what you wanted to do as far as what college courses, what degree, that you felt discouraged or like, you needed to find some way to find a support system, if you will, or find other answers. I, like you said, I definitely agree. My parents are definitely involved. And, you know, I, w- I feel prepared for the academic portion because actually there's, there's a really great program in Ohio. I'm not sure if it's in other states. Um, but here in Ohio, you can actually be a dually enrolled student in college and in high school. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that really helped me because I was taking college classes during my senior year. Right. So I was getting credit and the state was paying for it, so it was even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I wasn't, I don't know if I was discouraged, but I was definitely um, anxious because I had the academic portion down, but I wasn't so sure that I was ready for the emotional um, aspects of it, the stress. That's involved with college and the mm-hmm. pressure of deadlines and time management, and mm-hmm. now I'm having to, I'm now having to be an adult, right? <laughs> essentially. 
That's a good point because I think that's what a lot of kids fear. And sometimes, especially the smart ones who have always had good grades, who have the ability to have good study habits, but then they're looking at, wait a minute, I'm also not probably going to be living at home. I might have to work in addition right. to school. So there's a lot of dynamics to that. Were there things that helped you to get through that transition, if you will, from being, you know, not being an adult and having the home and the family to support you and mm -hmm. then having to move into that place where you were supporting yourself and doing college? Yes. Um, one of the, in addition to, well, one thing is, is my parents, you know, the relationship had to transition because right. they weren't dealing with a, you know, 14-year-old. They're dealing with an adult, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. So I did appreciate the fact that my parents, you know, they didn't visit as often as I thought they would. They gave me my space, but when, you know, if they if they felt the need to step in and give advice, they would. But they really kind of held back, and I, I appreciated that they let me figure things out myself. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I really appreciate is I was in a program um, for African-American students and Latino students. Um, we actually had mentors. So actually I started school, let's see, I graduated high school in June. I was going to Kent State where I went to college. I actually started a few weeks later, and mm -hmm. we had a whole transitional summer program, and then also I had a mentor for my first two years. Mm -hmm. He checked in on me, and, and I really, really appreciated that. That's great. So I'm hearing that you probably recommend having a mentor of some sort to help kind of push you along and be there if you have questions and, and need support or something like that. Definitely, and, and I would encourage a mentor in addition to the parents. And I know the parents are kind of in that role. Right. And it also helps to see someone, um, you know, outside of your parents who are telling you, you know, you should think about this, you should consider this. Right, right. I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's great advice because sometimes people rely on one or two, two people for everything, and really you need a different perspective sometimes to help keep you encouraged and supported and to help you to see things from another point of view. I agree, and I'll even say this. Um, I got to a point, and I was a biology major, because I, you know, in high school I loved the sciences, I loved my anatomy classes. Well, when I got to college, you know, that's a totally different level of thinking and work required, and I got so stressed when I, in the beginning, had done really bad on a few tests. I actually went to therapy, and mm -hmm. at first I'm thinking, I'm not crazy. Why am I going to therapy? <laughs> but uh <-huh>. it was, <laughs> and I think that's the stigma, unfortunately, that's attached with, the mental health and, yes. and that field. Yes. But you know what? I only went a few times, and, and one thing I encourage, you know, those who are listening who may know teens or, or parents that are listening, this is covering their tuition. I mean, you're already paying for it. Right. So, That's a good point. Thank you for bringing that yes. up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I went, you know, and he helped me to break down, okay, what is, you know, okay, you're frustrated. Well, what is the source of that? Okay, well, what are strategies that we can implement to help you not be as frustrated? Maybe you need to, and one thing he suggested is, you know, have a balance. Of course, as a, as a science or math major, you know, like any other major, it's really intense. But right. he said, take a break. Go for a walk. Go to the gym. Something else is covered in the tuition. So he said, use your resources around you and keep that balance. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. That is such great advice that you're sharing because I think sometimes we all get overwhelmed. And so even as adults not being in college, we have to find ways to balance our life and to create peace and harmony, even though we might be working really hard towards something, whether it's our career or family, school. Yeah. So that's critical, and I appreciate you sharing that because, again, 
I think that sometimes people don't realize the resources that are available to them. And they also Mm -hmm. don't realize that, as you mentioned earlier, it is perfectly okay to ask for help, to work with a career counselor, a regular mental health counselor, therapist, uh, a tutor, whatever it is. It really Mm -hmm. is sad to see that some people literally don't succeed or don't move forward because they need a little bit of help in one area or another, but they're not inclined to go ask for it or seek it out. Right. Absolutely. So how did it come about as far as developing your organization, College Prep Ready? What was the premise behind that? So I realized um, I came back home on a few breaks in college, and I still had parents asking me, and they said, well, okay, you know, I have more than one question. Can you just, you know, can you just guide my student? That, that's how the, you know, the request started to transition. Can you just go through this entire application process? Uh-huh. Or can you go through how to search for scholarships? And I realized that, you know, I was like, well, if I set up a program, now I believe in individualizing definitely because, you know, no no two students are alike. But if I can set up the skeleton, so to speak, of a foundation, Mm -hmm. then, you know, we can go from there and see what for a particular student what they need to work on. So once I noticed after two summers, my first two summers that I started to get those uh, requests from the parents, then I said, well, okay, maybe I'm on to something here. And so I formed a company, and actually I just started out just blogging. Mm-hmm. It actually started from there, and then then it moved to Twitter and Facebook. I love social media. Me too. <laughs> it's a great way to connect. <laughs> yes. In fact, that's how I met you. It's a great way to connect. And then I, you know, I said, well, here, I'm going to offer this package and this package. And, you know, we started from there, and even now, you know, I've had the great opportunity to present at workshops. And um, it's just really growing. It's grown from there. It's really mm-hmm. exciting. That's awesome. And I think, again, much needed. Sometimes the bureaucracy, if you will, of working with the government funds and the government services and things like that is really overwhelming. I can say that from experience, (laughs) not just for myself, but for my own daughters. So I think it is good to have a place where people can just get the facts, get the guidance they need, and really understand what they need to do to move forward in reaching their goals. Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. I love that. And how do people connect with you regarding College Prep Ready? I have a website, and that's www.collegeprepready.com. That's the website. And from there, we have uh, all the links to our programs, also, you can feel free to email me. That's info at collegeprepready.com. And I'm on Twitter um, under prep, the word for F-O-R, college. And then I'm also on Facebook. I have a page just for this. And that's prep, but the number four, college. Wonderful. Now, let's talk about the next exciting part or adventure, I guess we'll call it, in your life, <laughs> which is your new book, Celebrating the Journey, Rediscovering Me. How did that come about, and what was going on with you that made you think that you should write a book, and what kind of content is included in there? Actually, it stems from the same one of my loves, which is education. I was in college, and I, like I mentioned earlier, I felt academically ready, but I wasn't really ready for, like I said, the social and emotional aspect. Mm-hmm. And you know, at that age, just in general, people are trying to find themselves. Yes, you know, you've been with your, you've been with your parents. And you've been defined in those certain roles, but you, this is like your first time stepping out as an adult. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, that role and and how you do things is just totally different. And I wasn't prepared for that, which is a fear and a nightmare of a lot of parents as I tried to start dating and meeting new people. And because I wasn't so sure of myself at that time, I connected myself with a guy. And at first, you know, things appeared to be good. Mm -hmm. And after I learned a lesson, what always looks good is not always good for you. That's true. (laughs) Very true. Started from, from that, and, you know, I kind of kept mentioned it to my parents, um, but, of course, they were like, well, Ashley, don't do that, and, you know, what I expected them to say, and, of course, me being rebellious and thinking I knew everything. Mm-hmm. I said, well, no, you know, I really like this guy, and he's really supporting my education, and, you know, at that time, I didn't, I didn't even foresee a long-term relationship, but at that time, I was happy. Mm-hmm. Well, it all just went downhill. He began to be very abusive. And slowly over time, I had gotten so, so low that I didn't even want to finish college. It was that bad. Wow. But at that time, I just kind of felt like a, like a wall was coming in. And I was like, can I even finish college? Mm-hmm. You know, here I am. I come from a two-parent home. I never saw abuse, you know, in my home. You know, I come from a Christian family. And my parents didn't know because at the time it was going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. Mm-hmm. But here I am trying to go to school. And dealing with this, it was never physical, thank God. Physical abuse, but it was verbal and emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he started to attack it with my strength was. Time, I was saying, oh, you know, wow, I got an A. And he was like, well, you're so stupid. Mm-hmm. No, I would say, well, oh, you know, I, I want to do this, and I want to go into grad school. And he was like, well, you'll never get in because you're not smart enough. Ooh. You know, it was just a little comment. Yes. I started to chip away mm-hmm. and chip away. And because I didn't know who I was, I said, well, okay, if you said I was dumb, you know, I really like him. You know, that kind of mentality. Right. You want to believe what they say, even though somewhere deep in your heart you know it's not true, but then they it keeps grinding on you. Exactly. And um, unfortunately, I continued to feed into that. And because I was so ashamed, you know, I stayed in. I stayed in this relationship. And, you know, you and a half later he proposed. And because I was so in love, I thought, I agreed. We got married in 2007. And it just kept going downhill from there. Now, at this time, I was getting ready to transition into grad school. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to further my education. And, you know, he had said, oh, things are going to get better. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work while you go to school. You know, I'm sorry. I'm so-, You know, that kind of thing. So I said, okay, you know, still stringing me along. Well, that didn't go too well. And then actually, as recently as last year, I had to finally cut this entire relationship. As in, we got divorced. Because I was so, I was so depressed, mm-hmm. and I just, I didn't want to get up and go to work every day. Right. But thank God I did finish graduate school. I, I did walk the stage. I was so happy, but even in the midst of all this drama and darkness, that I was able to do that. But this book came about because at first I didn't want to tell anybody. Right. Because who would believe me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my background just didn't match what I would call the typical abuse. Uh, young woman, mm-hmm. but I thought about my niece, and I know she's watching me. She's old enough to know some things, and she's watching me, and I didn't want to have to come to her and tell her that I didn't make the right choice. I wasn't a good example for you. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to thinking about that, I said, wait a second. I'm sure that there are other teenagers or almost adults in college getting ready to make these same wrong decisions. Yes. And so they may not listen to their mom and dad. Like, I didn't listen, but maybe they'll listen to me. Mm-hmm. And so I go through um, I go through a few of the, of the key experiences. 
what I focus on in the book is I talk about the mentality, because that's what happened to me, is I allowed my mentality to get so warped that it, it affected my behavior negatively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a good point is, to bring up. I would yeah. love to talk a little bit more about that, because I think that sometimes people don't realize you can have the best family in the world, the best upbringing and background, the, a great mindset. You can be very successful in other areas of your life, but sometimes emotionally we get to a place of vulnerability and yeah. therefore allow these negativities to overcome our lives more than the positive things and the things we know to be true within ourselves. And I think that's yeah. so important about your book anyway, to share that with others so that other people know that they're not alone, that this is not really abnormal. It's quite right. typical for people to end up in this that situation. And I think there's a lot to be said for that age group of older teens and young adults, especially young women, who are trying to find their place in life, who are trying to figure out who am I now that I'm out, out of the home and on my own, and your self-esteem is really quite fragile. Right. It is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I started to share bits and pieces of the story, and I kept getting this reaction. But you went to school. You went to school twice. Right. You know, you work a nice, you have a nice job. You have a nice family. How did you get caught up in this? Mm-hmm. And like you just said, it happens every day. It's so many, especially in college, because, you know, your parents are not there, and you're kind of going wild. Yeah. And... You know, I'm definitely in full support of having a balance. I'm definitely in support of being social. But what I, what my message is, is you have to truly be strong in the concept of self, of who you are. Yes. Because had I known who I was truly back then, the first time I was yelled at, the first time I was called names, the first time I was screamed at, it would have been the end of that, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't have that, and like you said, my self-esteem was so fragile, any little attention he would give, even after a negative event, I was like, okay. Okay, I'll forgive so quickly. Right. And I didn't realize at the time that I was just hurting myself even more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those are good points to bring up, and I really appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share on the show and in your book so that it can hopefully help others to understand that they're not bad, nothing's impossible to change or to get through or get over. Can you share with the listeners some of the things that you did to eventually get out of this situation. I mean, I know, I think part of it, I would say, is that you knew in your heart right and wrong. You knew, as you said, you had a foundation of faith and and goodness and love. So that obviously was something underneath it all that was probably in your mind at the whole time. But were there other things that you were able to do to help yourself transition out of this, to really start taking those steps to end the relationship and to really stand up for yourself and what was best for you. Because that's usually the hardest thing for people. I know that a lot of it is, as you mentioned, wrapped around that shame and guilt. But there's also so many other things. Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes there's children involved. And people just feel like they can't get out. And what I love to tell people and encourage them to know is that you can get out. You can change. It's never too late even if you don't do it today. So if you have some tips to share with our listeners about how you went about that and what helped you, I would love for you to share those. Yes, and the first I have to start with my faith is God. All along, I can say this now because I didn't want to listen back then, 
But I, and I wrote, I write this part in the book, is God is always speaking. Mm-hmm. He may not always speak audibly, but there will be signs, serious signs. Yes. Of whether you're heading in the right direction or in the wrong direction. And you'll get that feeling, you know, and that, that's your, your conscious, you know, saying, hey, this is a warning. But what I had to do is one thing that I, I'm glad that my parents encouraged me to do at this time with my friends was to stay in church, stay connected. Because uh, one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to say, well, God, you know, I blame you. And then I said, wait a second, he didn't make me get into this relationship. I can't blame him. Mm-hmm. You know, I willfully did this. But what I had to do is I had to go back to the beginning and I had to ask God, well, who am I? Because I, and I discussed this in the book, you can't really define something until you know it's creator. So mm. I had to go back to who made me. Mm. And I had to, to study that and discover, okay, well, what God, what did you put inside of me? What is my purpose? Right. And and over these, these past seven years, God had to show me he's not in your purpose. He's trying to thwart your purpose. Right. He's trying to do the opposite of what I want you to do. But the amazing thing was is that even though this was what you could call a, a bump in the road, that God is now using me to tell the story so that I can help someone else not have the same bump That's in right. their road. Mm. And the second thing I did, and I touched on a little bit a second ago, I went back to therapy. Mm-hmm. I fought it, and I fought it. I'm still in therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I fought it. Uh, I said, no, God, I'm not crazy. I can't do this. Right. But I'm so glad that I went. And I go to, to a Christian therapist. And, you know, she didn't jump on me. She never talked down to me. But when I first met her, the first thing I told her is I said, I'm not getting a divorce. I'm not leaving because that's another sin. I thought, you know, God's not going to ever forgive me for this. I'm right. just going to have to live with this. Mm-hmm. And over time, she showed me, went back to the scriptures, and she said, is this what God wants for you? And so she took me through that, through that process. Mm-hmm. The third thing I did is that I had to finally... As you said, I had to take a stand. I was so scared to do it. But it's an interesting story how this all came to an end. I was back in school. This was last September. I was back in school here locally to take a few classes. And we were living together. And I started to see signs again. He also wasn't too happy about me being back in school. But I ignored it at first. And finally, it came to a head one night. I came back from class one night, and he said, where have you been? And I said, I've been in school, you know, it's my mm-hmm. regular schedule. Mm-hmm. And he comes to the living room and he says, you need to make a choice tonight. And I said, okay, a choice between what? And he said, it's either school or it's me in this marriage. Mm. I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I said, I choose school. I wow. said, you, I said, if you leave, one thing I know is that I'm going to be okay. Yes. I'm going to be okay and I'm going to have a degree. And he was stunned because before I had always chosen him. Whenever right. he would ask us before, sadly, I I wouldn't choose school because I was so afraid. But this mm-hmm. time I just said, you know what, I can do this. I can stand on my own. God's going to help me. So he got so upset that he raised his hand. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you about to do? Because he had never hit me. Right. But he had gotten so angry that he had lunged at me. And I said, oh, I said, you know what? They actually sealed that conversation. I grabbed a few clothes. Luckily, my parents were about five minutes away. Mm-hmm. I got in my car, told my parents I was staying the night. I couldn't even talk that night. I was so upset. But, you know, that day on, I moved forward. And thankfully, this time, I didn't come back. Because that's what I kept doing before. I kept coming back. I kept crawling back. I was even begging him to come back. But right. this time, I said, no, education is important. And I just thought back to the conversation my dad had with me. He said, 
you need your education. It's going to open the doors for opportunities. Right. Don't let anyone take that from you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, something that I touch on in the book and I realize now in reflection is that, you know, my ex, it wasn't so much about school, but he knew the power of education. Right. He knew what that could mean for me. And he, he knew that, you know, obviously he could never take the knowledge out of my head. But he wanted me to be so frustrated and so bogged down that I wouldn't even want to try to 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 obtain the knowledge. Yes. He wanted me to forget the power that I did that that we all have, mm-hmm. and that is to move on. And so mm-hmm. that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I think that you said a few key things. One of them is you chose school, but really what you were choosing in that moment was yourself and honoring yourself yes. and honoring, as you said, that purpose that God's given you to do with your life. Sometimes there are people in our lives, our own family, our spouses, whatever, who are standing in the way of that. And that's really challenging to face up to and deal with because it's so confusing to understand that this person's in our life. We might love them. They might love us, whatever. But there is a purpose and a plan and a reason that we are each here and we must move forward with that in whatever way we have to. So I commend you for your choice and I also want to mention that's definitely the sign of an abuser, someone who wants to make sure that you're not successful, that you don't have outside opportunities, sometimes that keep you isolated in whatever way. And that's yeah. very frightening for people to deal with. And again, going back to loving someone, knowing they love you to a certain degree, but it's not healthy and it's not okay. And so it takes strength to be able to recognize that and then to get help and move on. So I commend you again for having that strength and for being able to share it with other people that there is hope that you can change things. You can get out of situations, even though it may seem like there's no way out. Yeah. So many times I felt like that. And, and one thing I, I can remember is even in moments, just just a random argument here or there, and I would be left just sobbing sometimes, I could still hear God saying, I still have a plan for you. Yes. I haven't forgot about it. You don't forget about it. Right. This is going to change when you change. Right. And see, that's the thing, and I, I, I'll touch on this for a second. This actually applies to even in, in adulthood. It's sometimes we're waiting on other people, and we're blaming them for their bad behavior. Now, yes, like you said, that was very abusive, but by me staying there waiting for him to change, I could have still been there today. Right. And who knows, because it was turning violence that night. So, you know, I want to encourage people that you don't have to wait for that other person to make a change. You just make the change and watch what happens in your own life. It will it'll be for the better. Yeah, I think that's key. And as a therapist myself, that's something that I always try and help people to understand. As soon as you change even if it's your attitude first and then taking action to change, everything changes thereafter. So we can't change the person necessarily, but things will change. The circumstance will change. The situation will change. So I think a lot of it is taking that first step to doing something differently and being brave enough to overcome that fear of what if, you know, this happens or that happens. And I would love, before we wrap up, if you could share, how did you face some of your fears? Obviously, you have a solid foundation of faith and prayer. Are there some practical tips you can give to the listeners to deal with that fear? Yes. One thing that I I do this every day, um, in addition to prayer, is I actually speak positive affirmations. That's one thing my counselor 
had me to do very early on because my confidence in myself was so low. I, I hadn't even, I didn't even realize this. I didn't even take time to celebrate any of my graduations. I really had thought so down of myself that I didn't have really anything in the beginning positive to say mm-hmm. when I first started therapy. So she had me to write down, and that, well, I've memorized it now, you know, but to say positive things like you're wonderful, you're mm-hmm. loved, you're beautiful, you're educated, you're, you know, you have a great support network, just things like that, or whatever your talents are, or I encourage people to, you know, just come up with maybe five or five or six right. affirmations that they want to say. Another thing, um, how I faced my fear is I got really good support around me, not just my therapist, not just my parents, but I got really strong friends around me who wouldn't let me sit there and be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, they would call me. Because sometimes, as you know, um, you get so depressed, you don't even pick up the phone. That's right. But mm-hmm. I'm so glad I had friends who kept calling and kept calling and came by and would take me out to dinner and say, hey, let me come take you shopping or something like that. Another thing that I love to do is journal. I still mm-hmm. do that today. Because mm-hmm. what I did is I actually wrote down my fears. And in, in, in therapy, we wrote down, okay, well, what is the source of this fear? Right. And what I realized in my situation, we, we don't have children, thank God. But in my case, I had to get to a point where I said, wait a second, my biggest fear was that if he leaves, what about the financial aspect? Right. And my therapist said, okay, what does he contribute now? And then I had to think, and I said, well, wait a second, he doesn't contribute anything. And he literally did not. Mm-hmm. Once I wrapped the life there, and I said, wait a second, if he goes, I'm still paying the bill. Right. You know, so that fear... You know, I didn't have that fear anymore because I was already doing what I didn't think I could do. And that was really huge for me. Right, right. I think that is key. That's a big one. All of them were great because I totally believe in journaling so that you can keep on top of what you're feeling and what's happening. Definitely positive affirmations. Definitely a support system of people that can distract you and yet, you know, be there for you when you feel down, when you're crying, whatever. But that's huge what you said last was really looking at what is the truth because a lot of times our fear clouds the real truth. So when we unravel it, when we get to the bottom of it, we look at the facts. And when we see the facts and take out the emotion, we can really tell ourselves, you know what, I can change this situation. I can leave. I can get out. I can find a place to be safe, whatever it is. You just reminded me of a little anecdote, um, something that was really, really practical. I remember I went to therapy one time, and and I complained. I said, well, I said, I can't get him to wash dishes. I can't get him to wash clothes. And she says, well, just wash yours and leave his alone. And something simple like that, you know, that freed my mind that I don't have to, like you said, it starts in the mind, changing the attitude. Yes. You know, towards the situation. And, and, you know, eventually he did start to wash his own clothes. That's the only way they were going to get clean. I was going to say, so. I guess you need clothes sometime, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Ashley, so, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story, a part of it anyway, on Your Story Matters, and for talking about your organization, College Prep Ready, and for sharing about your book, Celebrating the Journey, Rediscovering Me. How can people find the link to get a copy of your book? You can go to my website. I actually have a, a link just for that. It's called Celebrating the Journey. You can click on that. That has all the information. And also on the blog, which is on the homepage as well. So everything's at collegeprepready.com. You're also on Facebook and Twitter if the listeners are interested. And I yes. wish you the best in your endeavors. And I thank you again so much for being open and vulnerable enough to share your story to encourage and inspire others. Thank you so much, Angela.